What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler and visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. All right, we are back. Welcome into the Ringer Gambling Soccer Show. Back with my man, Paul Carr, True Media. Paul, we were talking before the show. I'm just getting back from Salt Lake. Interesting time, NBA All-Star Weekend. It was a lot of fun. First time I've ever been there. Uh, you've nice. never been to Salt Lake, right? No. There was one time I was close when RSL lost in the conference final or something like that. I was going to get to go. I was kind of rooting for them just for that reason, but it didn't work out. Yeah, I was. so it's funny. They Like the mountain air... I'm, and we did a live show in Denver that I didn't end, end up going to. And obviously, we were talking about Mile High and you know Broncos and stuff like that. I was walking around the city, and I was a little out of breath. I don't. I mean, I'm not in the best shape of my life. I'll say that. Like, I can try to get on the Peloton every once in a while, but uh, man, like if you're walking briskly for like five, ten minutes, you'll feel it in the air there. So I'm thinking like how those Real Salt Lake guys are running around, how like the Utah Jazz guys are running around. That's pretty wild. Um, yeah, but it, it was gets a, it, it, it gets you. It was a fun time though. So we, you know, we had Lori Markin on the show with Rosillo. Um, I got back last night, but I did a lot of prep on the plane ride back. A lot of reading into some interesting Champions League matchups here that we got coming up. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get into the EFL Carabao Cup final between Manchester United and Newcastle, which has a c- couple interesting wrinkles in it. I know you want to talk about um, Marcus Rashford, who's just in absolutely ridiculous form right now. We're going to talk about the relegation battle, which unfortunately our, our the U.S. Leeds fans are not happy about it. But me as an Everton fan, I am sort of happy about what, what happened over the weekend. <laughs> and we'll close it out with our best bets. Um, but Paul, let's, let's start there. Let's start with Leeds. Because um, I think, okay. you know, Jesse March, he gets obviously the sack. And, you know, it was, it was kind of odd because I think Leeds fans are like, oh, he's out of his element. He's in over his head. He wasn't a good coach. You and I have talked about this. I just don't think Leeds' squad is that good. I think they are... I, you know, are they the bottom two? No, but I think anywhere between like, you know, the bo- they're definitely in the bottom six, I think, squads. And I think when you're in that kind of zone, you can get relegated any on any given year. And, you know, mm-hmm. has was Jesse March overperforming his squad? No, but I don't think he was really the problem. It's kind of like what I felt like with Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard at Everton was not the problem with Everton, but I don't know if he was the solution either. So if you're a Leeds fan, you're telling me, hey, we want to get a new manager bump. We want to get you in there. Um, I understand that. But the problem is they don't have a guy now. And now they're sitting in 19th after losing yeah. one nothing to Everton. And it's looking pretty dire for this Leeds team who just cannot score goals. So, you know, obviously we've got Brendan Aronson who came off the bench against Everton and uh, Tower Adams and Weston McKenney, who I don't think, I thought Adams was okay. I don't think Weston McKenney had a great game against Everton at all. They didn't have any shots on target. They didn't do really much of anything at all. So it seems like, I don't want to say Jesse March has vindicated just yet, 
But what was your take? I mean, are we starting to feel like Leeds is kind of a favorite here to go down? My take is kind of that look, the way Leeds looked on the field is kind of a microcosm of how that whole club is being run right now in the sense that you watch that game. Everton under Sean Dyche looks like they know what they're doing. Whether they're how good they are at it, you know, <laughs> is, is up in the air a little bit, but they have a plan. And watching Leeds, I just didn't feel like there was a plan in attack, uh, especially moving forward against, you know, an Everton defense that should have been there for the taking in some respects. I didn't see, feel like a plan was there. And I feel like that's representative of what they're doing off the field where they, you know, they signed three guys. They let Marsh go a couple days later. They still don't have a replacement. Uh, I just it does not feel like there's a plan. And I, we talked about, you know, I, I get there's a lot at stake. You know, if you can do anything to bump your chances of staying up by a small percentage, it's probably worth it. But there was no plan. It was just, let's do this. And then I don't really know. And that's seems like the problem both on and off the field for Leeds. Yeah, it sounded like they had a couple of, you know, of ideas, I guess, but they got turned down yeah. by a few different right. people, which, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't blame you. Cause it's like, hey, I'll wait until the end of the season to see if, you know, if you actually are in the championship and if you, you're probably still going to be looking for a manager then anyway, and I'll be easier to take over. Um, right. And that's kind of, you know, why I was looking at the Jesse Marsh situation and he's officially, I'm not, not officially, but it seems like he's completely out of the running for the Southampton job because he wanted some stability and a longer term sort of like, you know, uh, guarantee i guess from the club at least yeah. more than just like a couple months before the end of the season and i think he's fully right on that um mm-hmm. i still think you know like i think southampton are going down i don't think it really matters even though what this was the first time i think in eight years all of the bottom three won everton bournemouth and southampton which is obviously bad news for Leeds. but uh you know if i'm jesse march and i'm looking at the scene and i go all right you know what's the, what's the win in it for me so if i if i don't keep you up which by the way i i don't think there's really a realistic chance that south i think southampton are probably the worst team in the premier league them and bournemouth um, so only if I like, you know, drastically outperform my squad, am I going to keep my job? You could have the Southampton job, uh, and I'll just kind of reconvene in the summer. So I think it actually was a smart move by Jesse to, to say no to that. Um, yeah. but I think, I think it's funny how both he, both, both Leeds and Southampton are just in this weird spot now where they like, just didn't really have a plan. And I know Southampton got the win, but that's more of like a Chelsea free fall than is anything else. But I kind of yeah. feel like Jesse made the right decision by just being like, Hey, I, I'm going to just check my, my check the scene in the summer. And not take like a, a job just because it's in the Premier League right now. Yeah, can't blame him. I mean, I, to be honest, I would have blamed him if he did take it because it's a still a Premier League job. But the fact that Southampton was so interested so quickly to me suggests that he won't have trouble finding a yeah. job, whether it's you know a bottom half Premier League, whether it's going back to the Bundesliga, top level Championship, you know, whatever. The interest I think is going to be there, and he keeps his options open. Obviously, if the US job is open come summertime and he's still looking around. So wouldn't Let's blame at- Marsh if he took it, but I also think it's kind of a good sign in a sense that he was able to say no to it. Yeah. And I have a, actually a question for you about the U.S. job and like a, a, a someone who I think was team Marsh, but there are a few like red flags I think that I have about him taking that U.S. job. But I want to look at the relegation odds just, you know, first and foremost, see if there's anything here yep. you like. Bournemouth is uh, the heavy favorite to go down, by the way. What were you going to say? Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say the one thing I kind of, if like I'm not playing anything here. I've got some stuff in the hopper already with Southampton and Wolves uh, bets already in place. The one number I kind of like, I kind of still kind of like Everton at plus one seventy. <laughs> yeah, they just uh, jumped into the plus money. I'm, I agree. Yeah. I don't think they're very. I'm not rushing think. out to bet it, but they were plus one ten before. Uh, they beat a mess of a Leeds team. Like, do we really think Everton is that much better today than we did a week ago? I don't think so. And Bournemouth and Southampton just gained some ground on them. So, I mean, if, if you make me pick a side right now, it's probably the number I would play. Let me, let me, I, I'm, as an Everton fan, again, I will, I don't disagree with you. I don't think by any <laughs> means, they're only one point out of the drop zone. Uh, let me read the odds for everybody just yeah. so they know. Bournemouth is the heavy favorite at minus 320, Southampton minus uh, 240, Leeds now uh, at minus 115, Everton plus 170, Forest, who obviously got a pretty miraculous point against City over the weekend. At plus 250, Wolves, your guys, who you've been hot on saying that they're not anything this year, at plus 340. West Ham, who are sitting in 18th right now, which is probably the most surprising of, of any of these teams, I think, based on what their squad looks like, is plus 430. Okay. We can go even higher than that. Crystal Palace, plus 850. Leicester, <laughs> plus 1,000. I mean, there are. how far would you say you would go to, to up the table to say that this team is actually um, in a relegation fight? Would you go, would you go the Palace-Leicester way? I think West Ham even is safe. I mean, West Ham's been 
by the stats, the most unlucky team in the Premier League this season. Like the goal <laughs> difference is about 13 goals worse than it should be. Like, like they are, uh, I don't lost it, but I think they're at plus. Uh, yeah, I lost the number right now, but they're about 13 high. goals worse. <laughs> yeah. They have David Moyes. You know, this is a good example. They're talking like, should we get rid of David Moyes? But then there was a Guardian article today, like they don't know who they would get to replace him. Like, really? Yeah. I think that I think that's the way you ought to be thinking about it. There's no reason to get rid of you know one of the uh, solid mid-table type of manager because you have a couple bad results. Now they go lose to Forest this weekend or something, and who knows? But uh, yeah, a guy who I, also I took say West Ham an upper last season, right? A guy who took West right. Ham to Europe last season too, by the way. Which is you know, I mean, you know, I don't know that he's been doing a killer job this year, but you're right; they have been statistically pretty unlucky. Uh, I don't know. I think I look at the odds there and I go, you know, Forest is interesting to me because. I still, mm-hmm. they have like a thousand players. You can only register 25. Them getting Kaylor Navas, though, is kind of like the massive game. If they hadn't gotten him, I'd be like, I, I think I feel yep. a little bit more confident that Boris would be dragged into this, but he's such a calming presence at the back. Yep. Um, you know, I think Palace and Leicester are probably too high. Uh, you know, there's Wolves, just so many knows. teams down there. I mean, because if, if we're assuming Bournemouth and Southampton are going down, that means, you know, if it's a Palace, they've got to fall past five teams or so to get down there, which, again, possible, but just, the likelihood is is so minute that even at like plus eight fifty, I don't think it's worth it for them. Yeah, I mean they're really only you know they're only what uh, five points, six points ahead of West Ham, who are in eighteenth. You know, so like it's, mm-hmm. Palace aren't that, as far up, but they're you're right. They, so many so many things have to go wrong. So many teams have to like outperform them that it just seems so unrealistic. You know, even Leicester City sitting only what four points ahead of the drop zone. They've been bad, but I, again, also, they'd have to also be very unlucky this season. Year. Yeah. I yeah. think other than West Ham, they've been the most unlucky kind of when you're just comparing the goals to the expected goals this season. Definitely, definitely. All right, so right as of right now, who are Paul Carr's uh, relegation three? Who are the trio that you think, you know, obviously even betting aside, who who do you think are going down? Um, I mean, Bournemouth, Southampton, and I'd still probably go with Everton right now. Just yeah. not quite a believer <laughs> yet. Um, but I don't know. Leeds is just trying their best to get sent down. And obviously, I mean, look, if I had to like put life-changing money on it, I probably would stick with Leeds. But I, I still just don't believe in Everton just yet. I Listen, I have been a fan for a decade now, and I never <laughs> believe in Everton. So you're 100% right on that. Let me ask you one question about Jesse Mars, the thing I alluded to before, before we get into some other EPL stuff. One thing that I was thinking about, and you know, obviously people are around U.S. soccer were excited that he maybe didn't take the Southampton job because they're hopeful that this summer he becomes the U.S. manager when they kind of get their shit together a little bit <laughs> as far as in like the the actual yeah. the front office and the management structure there, which I think is a smart move to wait till the summer anyway. But one of the things I was looking at Jesse Mars, I mean, the, the, I don't know. Obviously, he has a relationship with a lot of these players. He wants the job. I think he would bring mm-hmm. back that like fighting hard style and the less like tiki-taka, like, you know, Barcelona style. I think that, that maybe Greg yep. Berhalter wanted to play or transform this team into, which I think fans would like. But on the other hand, I look at it and I go, I think some of his weaknesses as a manager actually are the weaknesses of what our squad is right now. Because you look at Leeds, mm-hmm. you know, their biggest issue was, you know, they, they come out and they play hard every single game. Like they, I don't think effort is ever really an issue, but they just have problems scoring goals and they don't have a true, I mean, um, Bamford has been bad. They just haven't been able to figure out how to score goals. Um, and he hasn't been able to been able to organize a back line. Two of the things I think that are most important in one, playing international soccer, football, in certain in the World Cup for sure, is being steady at the back and not leaking goals. That's one thing that he's kind of proven he hasn't been able to do a ton at Leeds. And he hasn't been able to find goals without a true number nine, a true goal, you know, a talisman or true striker. So I'm wondering, do you think that that, you know, listen, if you said Jesse Marsh is the manager, I'm going to be happy. I think it's good. He wants the job as a good manager. But I do wonder if it's actually not the best fit that we all think it might be. I think it's possible. I mean, and kind of on the same lines, like my big question is, look, he's mostly played the same style through his Red mm-hmm. Bull years at, at the different clubs and leads, you know, it's not quite the same, but it's, but it's kind of similar and, you know, it's a pressing thing. I don't know how well you can institute that with a national team. I mean, we've seen like Bielsa was able to do it with Chile. That took a while and it took kind of a, a grand generation with Vidal and Sanchez and everybody else to do that. I don't know that how possible that is. I mean, even look at like France, maybe the most talented team in the world. They're still kind of a counter-attacking team. Uh, th- so the, and you know, Argentina won the World Cup. They're not a high-pressing team in the same way. There just aren't a lot of national teams like that. It could work, and the U.S. you know seems to have some of the guys in largely those Leeds guys and Adams, McKinney, and Aronson who have the the legs to do it. I just don't know. That's that's my biggest question. 
uh, as far as whether Marsh would be a good fit for the U.S. Yeah, it's it's just a thought. I'm not saying it, I'm not, like I said I'm not saying yeah. I wouldn't be excited. I'm not saying he wouldn't be successful. Right. It was just something I was thinking about and reading because I was reading a lot yep. on Reddit about like what Leeds fans were saying about Jesse Marsh, and some of it's just like anti-American bias. They just think he's Ted Lasso yeah. and trash and doesn't actually know what he's talking about. And you just put that aside. <laughs> but some people were basically saying like. He just he just could not organize a defense, and he can't figure out the number nine situation. And I'm like, well, that sounds familiar. Like, the US, <laughs> fit right in. Sign him up. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, so I'm like, is, are we just basically recreating leads uh, and the international scale with the U.S. team? Which you know, who knows? But uh, we'll obviously have more on that as we get closer to the summer and we see what some of the more rumors are. And and you know, who knows? Maybe he still wants to get back into the club team, and I'm sure he could probably, as you mentioned, land a Bundesliga job or certainly a championship job or maybe a blow-in Premier League job next year. So we'll wait and see on that. Mm-hmm. Let's move into the EPL. There's a bunch of other stuff here as well that I want to talk about with the title race, which I basically, one of my best bets, and we'll get to that at the end of the pod, was Arsenal to get a result. And they obviously did not do that. My thought process behind that was if they lose this game to City, that basically the title race is over because they've got to go to the Eddie had. Yes, I know they have a game <laughs> in hand, but like the mental block of that you know, is just too, the yeah. mental hurdle of that is just kind of too high. They lose. Everyone's like, all right, it's Man City's title to win. And then Man City drops points against Forrest, just the scrappy Forrest team over the weekend in a 1-1 where Erling Haaland missed just an absolute sitter, which, you know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't, it, it's, it's, it happens. Listen, it happens to the best of everybody. But, you know, that certainly is going to cost them dearly. And now I'm wondering, I don't know, like, is the, is the momentum where we thought it was on City side, is it now back? on Arsenal's side. So I'll give you the table for everyone that doesn't necessarily know. Arsenal, who have a game in hand, are two points up um, on Manchester City. So Arsenal at 54 points, Manchester City at 52. And then you've got Man United sitting down there at 49 points. Vegas has it at City minus 110, Arsenal even money, and United at plus uh, plus 1,300. First off, I want to ask you, do you think the, the momentum is back on Arsenal? Do you feel like you know they are actually kind of, again, maybe potentially in the driver's seat here? And two, are you biting it all on United? Uh, I'll start with two. No is the short answer. I do think United okay. is good. Uh, they've also done most of their work since Christmas at, a, I guess, a pretty soft schedule. And and they just have to make it up on two teams. I mean, that obviously yeah. compounds the matter. Um, momentum is is a weird thing. Like, I mean, look, if uh, if Leon Bailey for Villa, if that shot goes in instead of off the crossbar, like Villa wins that game. And even though Arsenal generally outplayed them, or, you know, if, if City, you know, if Holland converts that chance, then it, it's just that it's, it's that narrow mar- a margin in the title race right now. So, I, I mean, if anything, I guess momentum is on Arsenal's side. But in, in a lot of ways, as much as we thought that City win was going to be decisive, you know, here we are, whatever, a week later. And we're like right back where we started. You know, City's one point closer. The odds are basically still the same. Um, so, I, I guess there's something intangible Arsenal probably got from coming from behind to get the win uh, in the sense that you know they've got the grit, they've got the fight, all those sorts of things. Uh, hard for me to buy into that a little bit as more of a numbers guy, but I guess it's something. So if I have to you know, put the momentum chip on somebody's side, I guess it's Arsenal. I just, I don't know that we learned a whole lot about either team from the weekend other than, you know, Arsenal got a little bit luckier than City did from uh, who was finishing perspective. 538, they have it as about 50-50 right now. And before this yep. past weekend, they had it at 62% for City and yep. 34% for Arsenal. I'll just say two first. I think the United thing, <laughs> Ten Hag, to his credit, has basically said we're not in the title race. And I think they're right. I, the United thing is weird to me. And we'll get to them a little bit more when we talk about the Carabao Cup final uh, against Newcastle. But they're just, they're kind of like a, a one goal machine, one goal win machine right now. And, you know, they're winning way above what I think you usually win like around 40% of one goal games typically in the season. They're up somewhere north of like 60%, which, you know, I do think Ten Hag is kind of like right, right of the ship and has this thing going in the right direction. But I'm not really yeah. ready to say that they're like in the, you know, in the form of the rest of the season to be able to actually get to the top of the table in that. So I think, I don't want to say it's smoke and mirrors, but it is a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Like I, you know, as you mentioned, but. Uh, as I mentioned before, you're, you're you've been talking about Marcus Rashford just being in the form of his life. So I don't think they're in it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think they're in it at all. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, do think I don't like, know, man. Here, here, I was just like, here's who they've beaten since Christmas: Forest, Wolves, Bournemouth. They beat City, great win. Yep. Yep. Palace, Leeds, Leicester. So I mean, one team in the top half uh, yep. of all of that. And again, you can only beat who's in front of you. So I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying. Like this is where if you are united, you should be making hay and wrapping up that top four spot before we even get to Easter or whatever. So they're playing well. They're also running a little bit hot, especially Rashford, who's both playing well and running well. Uh, I think they're good. They're the clear cut third best team. I just don't think they could. They can't make up that ground on both City and Arsenal. 
I agree. And then to, to, to the first point about Arsenal versus City, one interesting, I, I would still back City. I would. And obviously, like, they're the betting favorites. So I'm not like, yeah. going on a limb saying that. Yeah. But one thing that I think is interesting is Thomas Partey is going to be out, seems like, for a little bit for, mm-hmm. for Arsenal, which is a big loss. Now, Jorginho has played well for a guy that just kind of basically came in from Chelsea and wasn't getting a ton of minutes and is now kind of playing an important role for a team right. trying to win the title for the first time in however many years. The other thing that's going to be interesting to watch with Arsenal is when they get Gabby Jesus back, like how it kind of reminds me. So I'm a Magic fan, so this might be a really obscure reference, okay. but it kind of reminds me of when the Magic in 09 were in the finals against the Lakers, right? And Jameer Nelson got hurt, who was their starting point guard, who was a big part of their team. But Rayford Olsen had kind of been playing pretty well for a while. And then mm-hmm. finals come, Jameer's healthy. They put Jameer back in the lineup and he's just not ready. And, you know, who knows? They don't, I don't know. I, I think that series is actually closer than a lot of people think. Um, but I wonder if it's going to be a similar situation where Gabby Jesus comes back into the Arsenal team. He's, you know, he was in such an important player for them early in the season. It's going to take a while for him to get up to speed, obviously, for the players to get used to him. Um, so like he's supposed to return, I think in about a month or so and sometime in March, I think that's gonna be a really interesting dynamic of how they handle that. And like, if he has the ground running, obviously that's a complete game changer. I just don't know that that's going to happen. So I think Gabby Jesus's return, man, Mm -hmm. it could really, it could obviously give them a huge boost or it can really kind of hurt them. And that's what I'm a little bit nervous about kind of how that unfolds. Yep. I mean, I agree. He's the, he is exactly what they need on paper, assuming he's, you know, back to full fitness, full form, whatever. They need a, a healthy striker who can, you know, find chances and convert those chances. And, you know, his finishing hasn't always been great during his Premier League time, but he's almost always found those chances. Uh, so, so you like his chances of converting those eventually. So that's the big question. I don't know that it's, uh, it could go wonderfully. You know, you can see the narrative from here of Jesus returns and powers Arsenal, their first title, and so forth, et cetera. You can also see it just crumbling because he misses, you know, a few chances, isn't quite fit messes up whatever chemistry they have going the it's just everything's on that knife's edge right now so these 50 50 odds are fascinating it's about what it should be again i'm with you if i have to back somebody i'm backing city i just think they are the better team they have been better on the whole this year but arsenal has the lead and it's close enough that that the lead that they have right now could easily make the difference in the title race this episode is brought to you by anytime fitness We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com. Slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, so... We both mentioned Man United not in the title race, but they seem pretty securely a top four team. Um, yeah. And that basically leaves one spot left in the Champions League. 
for a top four finish for a Premier League team to get to the Champions League next year. And I think it's really interesting now, especially after the Liverpool result over the weekend beating Newcastle. Um, and, you know, Liverpool kind of looking a little bit better. You know, I, I'm not saying they, because their midfield is still bad. They still have a lot of the same problems, I think, that they've had. But they are now, Paul, the favorite to finish fourth, despite, you know, <laughs> and they've got crazy. a couple games in hand. Let me uh, just check out the table here really quickly. So right now they sit in eighth with 35 points, but they have, they're basically two games in hand on Tottenham, who is in fourth right now with 42 points. So they win that and they're right back in the, the mix. And, and I think the other thing that's an issue is Tottenham's midfield without Benton Kerr is a massive problem. That was another problem with my bet. Mm-hmm. My best bet over the, the last time we talked was, I think I, I kind of underestimated how big of an impact that was going to be for Tottenham and their loss to, uh, to Milan. But, so the odds there for the, for the four team to finish in the fourth spot, Liverpool at plus 150, Newcastle are also plus 150, so they're even there. Spurs plus 175. Um, you can go down and Fulham is plus 6,600, uh, 6, <laughs> which they, I mean, right now they sit, you know, what, uh, six in the table, only yeah. four points back at fourth place. They've been playing as well as anybody right now, although I don't think anybody believes it, but no. it kind of does to me feel inevitable that Liverpool is going to just snatch that fourth spot they're, and then they're back in the Jude Bellingham race over the summer because they're in the Champions League. Um, what do you think? Because I know like Newcastle, I just kind of feel like the Cinderella slipper might be, you know, it might be midnight and we might be kind of like uh, ready to kind of fade them here. Yeah, I mean, I think Fulham, they, they've been running the hottest of any team in the league. They're about 14 goals above their expected total this season or their expected goal difference this season. Um, so as much fun as and as much as I would love to see Fulham do well for a variety of reasons. Jedi don't Robinson, think the top four spot is happening. Let's go. Tim Reed, <laughs> yep. player, team of the season. Let's let's get it done. Um, I kind of lean Newcastle here. I mean, their numbers have looked good all season. I mean, if you just want to be as simple as look at goal difference, they're at plus 20, which is better than Manchester United so far this season. Liverpool only has one game in hand on Newcastle. Uh, and, you know, again, they go back to the plan thing. You watch Newcastle. It looks like they know what they're doing. They've, they've got uh, a couple guys up top in Rodrigo and Callum Wilson who can score goals and have been mm-hmm. scoring goals. So I, I kind of like Newcastle, especially, you know, you get a slightly longer price than you would on uh, Liverpool or Tottenham right now. I know it's it's kind of like I think just the it's so easy to look back and go all right I still see a lot of the names in the Liverpool sheet Klopp is still there like they're still yeah. alive to do this I don't yep. love the plus one fifty like I wouldn't take that I would want the odds to be much longer than that if I was going to take Liverpool but I do just kind of find yeah. it interesting that like it's it's hard to quit this team man and we'll get to them a little bit when we get to the Champions League in a massive matchup mm-hmm. against Real Madrid that I you know I'm actually going to just I'm going to stay that's probably a stay away from me because I just don't know how these teams are going to go but. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's wide open. I think I would probably fade Spurs if I could short a team. It would definitely be Spurs because I just think that the midfield situation is going to be a, a big problem for them right. for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, agreed. And, and Kane just can't carry the team the whole time. And I mean, he, Son hasn't been uh, in the form that he was last season, of course. So yeah, I mean, none of those three teams are super appealing. But like, I feel like Newcastle is kind of the safest, as nuts as that says sounds to say. I just kind of trust them a little bit more right now than I do Tottenham or Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool are volatile. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, you know, it's, I guess it's just one of those things. It's tough to quit. It's tough to quit. It's yep, tough to quit absolutely. Mo Salah and, and that yeah. group. Um, but, yeah, like I said, we'll get into more detail on them and kind of their form in just a second. But I want to touch on one more English, uh, English, you know, Premier League, although it's not the Premier League, it's the EFL Carabao Cup final. Speaking of Newcastle, they take on Manchester United in the final on Sunday. Uh, Newcastle is plus 230. Now, again, this is actually pretty interesting because they're down their top two goalkeepers. They're down Nick mm-hmm. Pope because of the red card, which I actually don't love. I mean, I, I don't like that. He should miss Premier League games only. I don't know if that's a, yes. if I'm yeah, going against the grain the, here. Nah. But like, I don't think you should miss a cup final because you got a red card in a Premier League game. It just doesn't make a ton of I sense. Agree. And that actually is a domino effect because their backup keeper, they can't play because he's t- he, I believe, is tied to Manchester United. Um, so Newcastle plus 230. Loris Karius appears to be their goalkeeper who, speaking oh, of what could go wrong? disaster in the final a couple of years ago. And I don't, <laughs> I don't even know he was on the team, to be honest with you. Newcastle plus 230, draws plus 210, Manchester United plus 110. United minus 164 to lift the cup, Newcastle plus 138. It kind of feels obvious to me that this is the Manchester United, you know, situation just because, yep. again, Carrius is a disaster. But as you mentioned, Newcastle and Eddie Howe have been steady. And I think there is a little bit of, I don't want to say like good fortune in playing, as you mentioned, some easy teams for United. Is it a trap here to be like, I think United are going to win this game? <laughs> It sure feels like it. It does. I'm a little thing. scared. Yeah. I looked at the odds. Looked at the odds. Like, oh yeah, Manchester United to win. I'm getting plus money. Uh, of course, this is a 90 minute bet for what that's worth. Yep. Uh, so you know, if you win to extra time or penalties, that's a that's a separate animal. Uh, boy, it sure feels like a trap, which almost makes me swing the opposite direction and just run with the Newcastle at plus 230. I think you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
the keeper thing is so hard. And I know it's we're judging Carius by like one moment from several years ago, but that's just the lingering memory that almost any soccer fan has of him from a cup final. And it went so horribly. The keeper, it just gives me a lot of pause on taking Newcastle here, but I do kind of think that's a decent price uh, for Newcastle to win in regulation at, at plus 220 or even the, to lift the cup at plus 140. I mean, these two teams are fairly even. United's obviously in a little bit better form, but uh, that big a difference, I don't mind taking a flyer on Newcastle either to win outright, uh, to lift the trophy, or to win in 90 minutes. Yeah, orig- I'm with you. Originally, I was like, oh, United plus money? Like, let's do this. They're, you know, Karius, <laughs> I, I remember it from the Champions League final. He was in, I think he was in playing Turkey and the last I knew. I don't even know what, what happened to his career. And now I'm kind of like, all right, yeah, but sure. Newcastle lost to Liverpool. Now everyone's kind of down on them. Sure, they're out without their keeper. But if those two things hadn't happened, this is much more of a coin flip game, I think, than, yeah. than, we, than we're looking at it right now. And you're saying, okay, yeah, maybe it's stupid. I'll make the bet and Karius will make a mistake and then I'll look like an idiot. But I kind of feel like, yeah, like the, the Newcastle value seems pretty decent here. So I'm kind of with you. I don't know, ugh, man, you know, plus, plus 230 is pretty good. And, you know, do you, the draw is interesting too at plus 210. Although, you know, you just, it's, it's a draw is always, you, you said you like it usually when it's closer to plus 300 for when you're taking any yep. draws. And I kind of agree with you on that. So maybe Newcastle is the play here, which will be interesting. But then to get to your, something you texted me earlier today is like, I'm just sitting here going, Marcus Rashford in the form of his life. And yeah. I'm going to bet against that guy right now. I, I don't know. This might yeah. just be a whole stay away from you, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't blame you for that. Rashford has just been on fire. He's got 24 goals in all competitions. And I mentioned he's playing well and running well. You can do both. You know, he's only has about 16 expected goals, which suggests he's run a little bit hot. But he's also exceeded his expected goals over the course of his career, which the the best forwards uh, can do. Not necessarily by this kind of margin, but, you know, it's not maybe he's only running three or four goals hot instead of five to eight or something like that. Just fun to watch, though, man. I mean, I, the one goal he had over the weekend, you know, he was breaking down the right side. He's looking for somebody in the middle. And he's like, there's nobody there. He's like, all right, I'm just going to shoot this from a tight angle. Let's he's go. able to find yep. it. Like, <laughs> yep. yeah. And and honestly, didn't we all kind of expect him to score anyway from there, as hot as he's been? It's just great to see. It's great to see. Uh, and it's going to give, uh, you know, England's going to have some trouble figuring out how to shoehorn all these good players into the attack uh, as they, if, if they had a major tournament this summer, at least. Yeah, well, that's why, you know, when we were talking about the World Cup, I, I felt like they were at their best when it was uh, Foden and Rashford out wide, really. I just don't think they're, they're more dangerous players than than Grealish or certainly Sterling at this point in his mm-hmm. career. Um, yep. So I, I'm with you. It's, 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 it's wild. It's, you're right. It's good to see Rashford because he he was in such like a weird rut. And, you know, I, I, I don't think he's like a world-class level player. I think we throw that term around a little bit too much. But I think he's whatever is just below that, like he's there. Right. But there is nobody in the world playing probably better than him right now. So nope. happy to see him doing this again. Um, but I, you know, I guess the, I think the right play here is if, if you really want to get some value, it's probably to take Newcastle in the Carabao Cup. I think so. All right, let's move on to another knockout competition here. The one that everybody wants to talk about. This is the Champions League. Uh, we'll go through all four games here, but let's start with the big one, which is on Tuesday, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Liverpool playing at Anfield. They're plus 130. Real Madrid plus 210. The draw is plus 240. Where do you, do you, I've seen a lot of people be like, hey, I think Liverpool's back. I like them at home. Then I've seen a lot of people be like, Real Madrid, they're just the knockout specialist. Ancelotti, the, the Champions <laughs> League. Like, how are you going to bet against them? I think they've won. They haven't lost their, their last six games against Liverpool, which I don't love looking at history in that way and betting because I just think it's different teams, different vibes, different form. I don't love that, but it still is an interesting stat. Do you do you have a strong lean here, or are you just going to sit back and kind of enjoy this one? Um, I, I no, I'm staying away from this. Is the short answer. I was all set to go with Real Madrid, mostly because I don't trust Liverpool. Their defense is still leaky. You know, they're yep. middle of the pack in the Premier League from a defensive perspective. Uh, we we know Benzema and company can score goals, and what gives me a ton of pause is Cruz and Chuameni are out for this game. Yeah, so you're losing. Massive. You know, you're maybe your best attacking midfielder and maybe your best defensive midfielder and they're not here that I, I don't know I mean there's really no result that would shock me except you know maybe a like nil-nil type of game but but even that in the, as the first leg of a knockout game Madrid would be probably happy with that coming back home but yeah there's just nothing Liverpool could blow them off the pitch Real Madrid could just wreak havoc on that Liverpool defense wouldn't shock me it could be a 2-2 game I, I don't know I'm staying away from this because I just think the range of outcomes is as broad as any game this week. I totally agree with you. And the other kind of side of this, Liverpool, they're looking to be without, I think, Darwin Nunes, but they are getting Jota back, which 
Jota is probably that's actually a probably a good thing for them. I mean, mm-hmm. Nunes is kind of such a wild card to me. I know, you know, speaking of like you know XG or whatever, he seems to be one of those guys that like just isn't fin- he creates a ton of chances, he gets a lot of chances, which is great, but he's not necessarily converting them at a high rate. So I I, I don't know if that's necessarily bad news for them. I could see this game. Listen, this is. I think Real are going to want to sit back. The thing is about both these teams have pretty leaky defenses. It's not like Real Madrid have a great defense either. But, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the knockout formula for Real Madrid is to kind of sit back and hit you on the counter with, you know, obviously Benzema will be back in this game and, and Benny Jr. So I could see this being a ton of possession to Liverpool, them getting a ton of shots, but, you know, Real Madrid kind of yeah, taking just, their chances. Maybe they, they nip a 1-0. It's just, just like the, the final. Yeah, exactly. And, and we were both on we were both on Real Madrid in that even though our, uh, Liverpool were, were pretty heavy favorites in that as well. So there's a couple of weird bets that I like, Paul, that I'm going to throw at you here. I okay. think that both teams to score is just because of how bad these defenses are. Yeah. I think that it, I could see a 1-1. It's, it's mm-hmm. not great odds. So if you, do, if you do both teams to score and under five and a half goals, just to make it a little bit better, because I don't think it's going to be like a, you know, a 4-3 thrower or a 3-3 thrower, that's minus 137. That's not terrible. But the, the two bets that I actually like are shot-related. Um, okay. Because if you look at it, Liverpool plus five shots on target is uh, about even money. And they've done that in 10 of their last uh, Champions League games. So just five or more shots on target for Liverpool. The other one that I kind of like is nine plus total shots on target in the game between both teams. That's also even money. So then you're not really, you're not really like relying on the finishing. Because what I could see is, I could see Liverpool just like, having a ton of the ball, getting a ton of shots on target. Um, obviously, Courtois is a phenomenal keeper. Hasn't been in the best form this season. But like they're happy to just let them kind of pepper him with shots and him kind of keep a clean sheet. So I think I'm kind of interested in both even money shot plays here because then you're not really relying on how well and how clinical these guys are at finishing. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good without having dived into the numbers, but you brought some good ones to the table. I think you have convinced me. I can I can root for the shots with you. The other thing too is I could see I could see Liverpool just kind of sitting back too and like just not trying to lose the game at home and then have to go back to Real Madrid. So I could see mm-hmm. kind of like a pragmatic attack from both sides. So not going to take a side. Don't really feel strongly about an over under here, so maybe the shots thing is where I'll, is the only bet I'll make. I, I, it seems reasonable to me. Like if I, if I had to, you're making me play something here. I'd probably play an, an over two and a half, just figuring one way or another the leaky defenses are going to come through. But I'm going to stay away from this game because, like I said, anything could happen here. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the next one. This is Frankfurt uh, playing Napoli, which you know, again, Napoli one of the better informed teams in the entire world, maybe the best attacking team in the entire world, um, most dangerous duo in Oshiman and, and Kavaradana uh, in the entire world. They are just flying high going into uh, into Germany to play this game. Frankfurt plus 240 at home, Napoli plus 110, the draw is plus 250. Man, I got to tell you, Paul, I really like Napoli here. I really do. Because they've, they've we talked about it last week. I think that they have pretty much wrapped up this is Syria. They're they're up by double digit points. It's really going to be almost impossible for anybody to catch them. Nobody in Italy is in really great form anyway. Um, and I think this this is a team that, you know, Napoli's not afraid of anybody. The way that they play, they're they're pretty wide open. I just saw you shake your head though. So you're kind of are you leaning towards maybe fading Napoli here? No, no, I'm totally with you on Napoli. Okay, I think good. I was, I was going to say, you, no- you had me doubt myself for a second there. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> no, no. I think it's almost like we talked about Man United. Getting plus money on a Napoli win, even on the road, almost feels like a trap. Crazy. I mean, I know Eintracht is, you know, they're solid Bundesliga, like Champions League type of team, a top four-ish sort of team, having a decent season. But Napoli's just been re- playing really well. They've been running really well. Uh, I don't know how you bet against them. So yeah, getting any sort of plus money on Napoli win here is was what I would play. And statistically, Frankfurt are, you know, they're the second worst team in the entire in the entire left in the entire Champions right. League, you know, behind probably Club Bruges. So yep. you know, I, I'm I'm just not that scared of Napoli going into into Germany and getting a result. So obviously I yep. mentioned plus plus one ten uh is Napoli to just to win the game outright. Napoli to score two or more goals, which they've done uh, pretty regularly is uh, about even money too, plus 104. You parlay that together, that's plus 151. I, I'll probably have a lot riding. I mean, I'll be pretty exposed, but I'll probably have a lot riding on Napoli to get a res- to obviously to win. And then maybe I've seen a lot of people that like the over two and a half because they think, you know, maybe Frankfurt can hit a goal here and it's a 2 1, which I could I could definitely see playing at home. Mm-hmm. It's a tough place to play. I mean, it's, it, it is, they have a great home crowd advantage. Um, Germany, yeah. a lot of those German teams are just, you know, it's just a hard place to play in general. Um, the other play that I thought was kind of interesting, Napoli have won the first half in seven of their last eight games. That's plus 170 mm. in this, Paul. They usually Ooh. get off to really hot starts and, and then kind of like sit on it and feel good about themselves and then usually nip a, a goal later. So I, I'm, again, I could be very exposed, but I'll be on a lot of Napoli <laughs> bets in this one. 
All the Napoli bets, yeah. I mean, th- their defense has been good. You know, they're not conceding many opportunities. Only allowed more than one expected goal a couple times in the last eight games. And the attack's been really good. Over like one and a half expected goals in six out of eight games. So I, I-, I can't find a reason to go against them other than it's on the road. I mean, I guess Randall Colomani has been on a really good tear for Eintracht. I think seven goals in his last eight games or so. But I, I don't see how you go against Napoli. You could make a case they're the most informed team in Europe, at least yeah. as far as results go. So I, I'm happy to get plus money for a win with them, even on the road. Again, Napoli, a team top of Serie A, won their group with Liverpool, and it beat Liverpool 4-1 in that group stage. So uh, they're again, they're not. <laughs> this isn't a team that's going to be afraid to go to Germany and play a team that nope. is definitely inferior to them. You know, my only thing would be, you know, it's a 1-1, Frankfurt nips a goal, and Napoli don't right. finish their Napoli chances. Napoli doesn't but, finish anything. But, right. but Oshiman, I mean, we talked about, I've talked about him a million times. I mean, he's going to go for over $100 million probably this summer, although Napoli always drive a hard bargain. Um, they just don't sell their best players typically. But he is a top three striker in the world for me right now. He's absolutely in blazing, blazing hot form. So if you want to look at him to score, the other interesting one is Kavaro Donna to potentially get a goal or assist, I think was around even money as well. He's been in, in, in pretty hot form as well if you want to play with some of the... Uh, you know, the assists are to score numbers as well and stay away from the result. But man, I, 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 as a Roma fan, I don't love like praising Napoli this much, but they're just, they're, they're probably, the, I think, the best team in the world to watch right now. So enjoy that game. Yep. Uh, all right, let's get to the other one. This one's on Thursday. Interesting game here. We talked about it a little bit before. So I'll let you Leipzig against Man City. Leipzig plus 340 at home, Manchester City minus 125. The draw is plus 270. I'll leave it to you, Paul, because it's not like you like uh, RB Leipzig in this one. I do like him here. I'm a little bit scared. It's such a good price to get him. I mean, you can kind of pick the way you want to play him, but whether it's win, draw, double chance, whatever it is. Uh, but look, their overall season numbers don't look great because they struggled so much early on. Two league wins in their first seven games. Yep. But since October, they've only lost once. Uh, Christopher Nkunku, whose name I never get right, played yep. Saturday for the first it. time since November. He could start this game. Uh, he had a hat trick against City last year in the group stage for whatever that's worth. Um, and he's still, you know, he's second in the league in goals this season with 12. So he could be, he could start. At least he's going to give them an option off the bench. Uh, like Eintracht, Leipzig is really good at home. Uh, they have some defense. Our guy, Josko Gordial from Croatia, is anchoring this defense. So they've got the pieces. And, you know, we've talked cities good, obviously. They haven't been super convincing. Uh, they haven't been great against the best teams in England. You know, they lost Tottenham. They lost United. They beat Arsenal 3-1. I think that spread was a little bit misleading as far as how that game played out. So, again, I'm not saying Leipzig's definitely going to win, but I think plus 340 is a really good price when it should probably be closer to, you know, plus 300 at, at worst. The double, So the double chance is, you know, essentially to them to win or draw is about even money as well. I've seen a lot of yep. people hop on that. Uh, yeah. I, I don't hate that at all. Is it, you know, what is it about City? That is, is it just a way? I mean, obviously, they're heavy favorites in the tie overall, and they could probably just wrap it up at home anyway. Um, right. Is it, is it more Leipzig form, or is it more like you just not trusting City in the Champions League? I think it's it's Leipzig at home. You know, Leipzig is a, a good team. Another good again. German spot. Yeah, another tough place right. to play. Yeah. yeah. Um, like you said, City's, you know, look, if you offered City like a 1-1 draw, they'd probably yeah. be fine with that going home. So I think there's some factor where you know Leipzig may push a little more to try and get that extra goal that you know they know they probably need to win this game to have a chance because you can't really expect to go to City and even scrape out a draw very easily. So I think they probably know they need to win. And yeah, they just have the pedigree at kind of both ends of the field to get this done. And City is, again, City is great. Make the case of the best team in Europe. It's there. Uh, just haven't always been great this season at finding that second gear, that second way of attacking when you know something gets taken away. So, and you know, Leipzig has seen Holland for what that's worth. They've seen him yep. previous seasons in Germany, so it's not like he's this great unknown they've ever played against. I just, I just think it's there, and you can get some really good value getting a, a good price on Leipzig to get the result or get the win. You know what scares me a little bit though is just if City hadn't dropped points over the weekend, I think I'd be more on this. But you wonder <laughs> if they're like more motivated because you know, obviously that was a <laughs> they should have easily won that game against Forest, and they end up, and they end up dropping points. And now you wonder, like, how are they extra motivated because they're mad about dropping? Well, I don't. Who knows? It's obviously a different competition, so you never know. You know, some of the times those those midweek games are just a complete toss up, especially ones on the road in a hostile environment. I've seen a lot yep. of people that like both teams to score an over two and a half here, which is minus one ten. 
Um, both teams to score and City to win. So like a 2-1 City win is plus 230. I don't hate that actually at all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 everything you said about Leipzig, I agree with. I think there's a chance that they get a result, but I also very easily, plus 230 to just for City to win and both teams to score and what seems to be a high-scoring matchup seems like a pretty reasonable outcome to me for plus 230. Again, wouldn't be one of my best bets, but I, I think that is entertaining uh, or something that I would entertain. So I don't know. I kind of, you know, I, I, I don't feel very strongly about this whatsoever. I also look at Man City and just go minus 125 for them to win coming off of a disappointing result. <laughs> seems like a pretty good bet too. But again, is it a trap? Like this is all the stuff that as betters you're going through your head being like, how do I play out the scenarios in my head? Like what is, what's their motivation going to be going like into this game? And then you kind of scare yourself into something that might seem kind of obvious. But uh, right. I, I'm going to stay away from probably the the result here. But I do like both teams to score. It's not a great number. But if you throw the over two and a half, that's uh, that's minus 110. It's about even money. So like, listen, I, I think that's probably going to be the play I would do if I did bet this game. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I'm, we're all expecting goals because, I mean, we know Leipzig's reputation. We know what City can do. It seems yeah. like a, goals are definitely coming. Uh, don't so probably get a tight, a tight nil-nil draw. <laughs> right. Right. Someone's going to scrape it out one nil at the end or something. <laughs> hey, like nil-nil draw gets you your win. So, so you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good result for Leipzig for sure. All right, let's get to the last one here. Inter versus Porto. As you know, I watch like a ton of Serie A. Roma fan. I do watch a lot of Inter. Inter are a weird team, man. Like they have a lot mm-hmm. of good players, but they just kind of been, un- have been underperforming. And every single year after Antonio Conte has left, after they won the title with him, Romelu Lukaku was, you know, basically firing on, on all cylinders. They've just gotten worse and worse, and I trust them less and less. Right now, they are... Let me just give you the odds for this game. Inter, obviously, at home, minus 135. Porto, plus 420. The draw is plus 260. Again, not super confident Inter. The Porto double chance is plus money. It's plus 105. Everybody seems to be on the under 2.5 here at minus 138 because both of these teams are just like kind of defensive, hard-nosed teams. Do you have a strong lean here? I, it's again. I think all these are really tough. The only one, the only thing I really like this week is Napoli. I think all these other ones are really, really tough to call. Inter, obviously, the better team, but uh, I don't know. Like at Porto is kind of like one of those tried and true teams that you just don't like to play in knockout stages in the Champions yeah. League. So, where are you at here, Paul? First, for some macro analysis, kind of first, you know, I think these, I think Portuguese teams tend to get a little underrated in Champions League, uh, which I get because obviously the domestic league is very top heavy with basically Porto Benfica sporting at the top and not a lot beyond that. Um, and to be honest, they're just not as visible. You know, it's not as easy to watch those games here in the U.S., for example, uh, not at the top of a lot of people's watch list. Uh, but, you know, Porto is just rolling in the league, first of all. They haven't lost a league game since October. And yep. yes, most of those games are against inferior opponents, but they also swept Leverkusen in the group stage. They split with Atletico and probably could have, should have won both of them. Uh, and... The only thing that gives me a little pause about Porto, they got a couple injury concerns. Evan Nielsen and Otavio are, I think, both out. I just don't think the gap between Porto and, and Inter should be as large as it is here. So I'm leaning toward Porto in this one. Uh, I kind of like that double chance at even money or better. Mm-hmm. I think that that's pretty reasonable. Um, of course, Inter could you know finally live up to the, the names and the reputation and knock them off the field. But until they see it, I, I kind of lean Porto. We saw Benfica come out and look really good against Brugge last week. They get a very different opponent, of course, but just that uh, these Portuguese sides are, are kind of not to be trifled with sometimes. So I lean toward Porto in this one. Another, you know, it, it failed me last week, and we'll get to that in our best bets, but you know I love the the double chance and, you know, taking it over under goals. If you go under two and a half and you go Porto uh, to, to win or draw, so the Porto double chance, that's plus 185. I wish I'd probably wish it would be a little bit higher than that. Maybe, you know, and if you want to feel safer, take the under three and a half goals, you might get something closer to even money and feel better about that if you really mm-hmm. like Porto. Cause again, I, don't, I just don't see a lot of goals being scored in this game. But if I had to pick a side, I think, I think I'd rather take the double chance um, at what plus 105 than I would take yeah. Inter at minus money. I think, I just think I'd feel com- more comfortable about that. Yep. I'm with you on that one. Interesting. All right. Let's, uh, before we get to our best bets, Paul. So I mentioned that I'm on the road. I was, I was on the road in Salt Lake City. You're on the road right now. Tell you what we got. Tell us uh, what you got going on. I am. I'm in Frisco, Texas right now. I've been traveling around with U.S. women doing the She Believes Cup. So they played in Orlando a few days ago, Nashville a couple days. Uh, I guess that was yesterday in Nashville as we're recording this. And they've got uh, Brazil coming up in the She Believes Cup on Wednesday. So this is, these are the best games the U.S. is going to have in all likelihood before the World Cup this summer. So they haven't looked great. I kind of feel like we're at a yeah. spot where we always are with U.S. women, where they're like, ah, they're not that convincing. The world's closing the gap. 
But the U.S. is still, you know, deeper than pretty much anybody. And like they played Japan last night and probably got outplayed, but won one nil because Alex Morgan and Mallory Swanson did Alex Morgan and Mallory Swanson things. <laughs> yeah, she's so, got all three goals, right? I think she scored, uh, she scored all three yeah, goals. Yeah, Swanson's, Swanson's been on fire. Six goals in four games this year. So, uh, yeah, if you, you want maybe the best opponent the U.S. is going to have before the World Cup, it's Brazil coming up on Wednesday. And they've got a few more games before them, but not this kind of caliber, you know, World Cup knockout stage caliber opponents. The other thing, too, that we that we will potentially get to, but you and I were talking about this and how like hard it is to bet MLS games. The MLS season starts in under a week as well. Um, so maybe we'll get to some, you know, some potential game bets. We were talking about some future stuff. We just don't feel super confident in giving that out. I love watching MLS action. It's one of the most fun leagues in the world. You could talk mm-hmm. about what the quality is or whatever, but it's just like a bangers league. Like whenever I put it on, there's like just an insane goal or there's like a massive goalkeeping mistake or just like it's, it's such an entertaining mm-hmm. league to watch. And, you know, obviously, I think the last probably couple of years, they've really sort of transitioned from being a, all right, the, the quote unquote retirement league into a, a league that genuinely developed right. some of the best players in the world, which has been pretty awesome to see. Although there are still some rumors about Messi and his potential contract with PSG and whether he's going to go to Inter Miami, which would be kind of fun. But yeah. MLS season kicks off. So yeah. maybe we'll have some, maybe we'll bring on an expert. I know uh, we have a couple guys who are kind of in our circle that are big MLS guys. We'll bring them on to maybe hand, handicap some games in the future. But we were, we are not forgetting about the domestic league. We'll, uh, we'll certainly cover that as yeah. we need to. I'm, uh, I'm excited. The pod. I, I, I get to about half the sporting games every year to watch. And you're right. You never know. Like, so if I go to 10, 15 games, there's going to be like three or four of those that sporting just lays an egg and gets smoked for no reason at all. And then three or four others where they're probably not the better team coming in and just blow the doors off somebody. But like, it's just, it's that way almost every year for these, you know, middle to top half of the table type of teams. Um, I kind of like some of the sporting prices you can get, like to win the West is like plus 1800 or something. Um, I'm a little bit biased. I admit that. But, you know, they brought in a guy named Willie Agata last year from Nigeria who uh, played great and was the center forward that they needed. And if he can continue that scoring rate and the defense holds up, you know, there's no reason they couldn't win the West, and that's a really good price. But uh, yeah, I'm not rushing out, encouraging everyone to to make that play because there's so many questions, such a long season, so many teams uh, that obviously a lot of things could go right, could go wrong. I'm still an MLS free agent, Paul. I've, I'm like a fair weather guy. I'll just like follow teams as like they have guys that I like. I mean, I'm in Connecticut, yeah. so the closest team to me is technically NYCFC. Um, I've been to some some Revs games. It's just tough to watch the games at at, at Gillette. It's just not a not an awesome place to, to watch. Steve, not that not Steve. not the Yankee Stadium is much better, but at right, least like it's a little bit say. weirder and different. Um, but uh, and I, I mean the crazy thing is like you go a little bit further south and you go to uh, to, to to Red Bulls. It's that that stadium's awesome and the atmosphere is incredible. I've seen a bunch of I've seen a couple of warm up uh, U.S. World Cup warm up games there. One of the better mm-hmm. soccer environments there is in the entire country. And, you know, it seems like the further west you get to, they get better and better. You in Kansas City, you go to Seattle, you go to Portland. So awesome, awesome league. It'll be exciting to watch. And uh, yeah, first season on Apple Plus, too. So, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, come out um, here to Kansas City. We'll get you get you to a game. And I'd love to. Win your fandom. Every, every time they show, like, you know, what is it? They're in, like, the World Cup games or big games. They've got, like, that park area where everybody hangs out. And everybody's, yep. like, throwing full beers Power across outside. I'm like, what? There's nothing yep. better than this. It's incredible. Like, I want to be there. Yep. So I want to be a part of it. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I got to pick a team at some point. I don't, Matt Bretosh tried to get me into LAFC. I got some swag from them. But it seems, like, too obvious now. Like, they're too good. Like, right? I'd be hopping on. Right. I'd be, like, rooting right. for the Chiefs now in the NFL. Like, come on, dude. Like, we don't like that. But uh, and I did like Gareth Bale, but now he retired, so I don't really have that much of a connection to them other than Bretos. So I don't know. Maybe make, make your pitches to me, and I'll try to figure out what my team is uh, throughout this entire season. There we go. Um, all right, let's close this out then with our best bets as always. Paul, you did really well last week, two and one. Um, you had Bayern, which I, you know, we both like Bayern. I just took the wrong bet on Bayern. I had Bayern uh, to get a result in the over one and a half, which I was about a, a, an inch or two away from that equalizing PSG mm-hmm. goal from hitting that bet. I lose. So I went over on the first week. You were two and one. You're up 1.35 units. I'm down three units. So since you're, you're let's lead, you're the winner. So let's, uh, let's have you lead it off. All right. I'll start with one. I think we're both going to end up taking. That's just Napoli to win at Eintracht. Yep. Was it plus 115? Yep. Plus one ten, whatever. But yeah, okay. plus money. I'm happy with it. You know. Yep. I mean, it's just simple. Napoli's one of the most informed teams in Europe. Eintracht is fine. This is not really against Eintracht as much as it's pro Napoli. Uh, they're a, a better team. I'll take plus money even on the road. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a no brainer. As I said, like you know, it's going to be really annoying when we get like a nil nil draw and Napoli's like whatever. We'll just yeah. win this thing back at home. But right. I don't know, man. I think I think Napoli are out with a point to prove, as I mentioned before. Serie A is kind of wrapped up for them. I, I think I think they can make a legitimate push in the Champions League. We talked about it. I think they were plus a thousand the last time we talked for futures. I yeah, imagine this, it's this around there are, now. 
I don't love that, but I, you know, I guess we'll see how it goes. We'll see what their next matchup is. Maybe they'd be an interesting team to hop on, um, depending on what their next matchup is. Assuming they get past uh, Frankfurt, which we both think that they will. So we both are on Napoli to win plus 110. What's your, uh, what's your second one? All right. I'm going to go with RB Leipzig. But my biggest challenge here is, was figuring out exactly which bet, because I can make a case for the draw. I can make a case for Leipzig to win. The double chance is minus 105. Uh, and ultimately, I just landed like, we're, we're swinging for the fences here. Give me the Leipzig win plus 340. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, they've played City before. They have Nkuku coming back. I think they can get it done. They know they need a win because you probably need to be up a goal going back to City. So, yeah, you're getting uh, odds that I think should probably be plus 300 or plus 250 even in that range. So, I think plus 240 is a really good price on a Leipzig win. You're a braver man than me. You, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. I, the, the win, I could maybe the double chance. Maybe, you know, you give me a half a goal here and maybe even the full goal, depending on where you're, where you're getting your your uh your action at but you're you're a much braver man than me. i'm just i'm worried about city and kind of like the pissed off factor of them being like we're yeah. not going to drop points two games in a row uh no, it could be but, 10 minutes into this game and city's up 2-0 and i will regret everything wouldn't shock me but get that kind of a price you know that's yeah, one of the three, scenarios listen, that's in play it's a plus 340 i'm not going to hate you for that at all. i think that's a, right. that's definitely that's it's definitely very reasonable i'm gonna go to man i i just don't see this being more than a one nil two nil either way or a one one Give me Inter Porto under two and a half. It's not you're not getting awesome juice. It's minus one thirty five. You know, again, you can throw in maybe some other things to get it closer to even money. Um, you know, you can throw in the I, first off. These are two teams that accumulate a ton of cards. So if you want to get crazy and take like over four and a half cards, I think that's like even money. Um, hmm. I think this is gonna be like a hard grinded out game for either side. There's gonna be a lot of tactical fouls. Either team's gonna want to really give too much away. Um, you know, obviously, I think Inter are the better team, the better players. But as we mentioned, Porto, those Portuguese teams are just tough teams to play in the Champions League. So I think this is, I, I could see this being a nil-nil. Maybe you want to sprinkle a little nil-nil action on this. I could totally see that. So give me the Inter-Porto under two and a half at minus 135. I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm going to take the double chance on Porto here. The win of the draw for Porto at plus 105, I believe. Yeah, don't hate uh, that either. We, you talked about if you want to combine it with an under two and a half or even under three and a half to get a little bit of a better price. Not... Uh, not the worst thing in the world, but I'm just going to play the double chance because, look, Porto's good. Uh, there's always the question of how good they are coming out of Portugal, but I think that they are good enough to handle or at least play, a, you know, an okay inter-team to a stalemate mm-hmm. here. That's your, that's your, that's your last uh, best bet? That's number three for Close me. Your three? Porto all on right. the double chance, plus 105. Don't hate that at all. Don't hate that at all. All right, my last one's a little bit weird here. I'm going to go to the Europa League. We haven't talked about the Europa League on this pod, uh, but we're about to right now. Let's go. Juve. Juve. They they drew Nats. It was at home, not great. And it was a game in which they should have won, period. And I think they're very frustrated with how that kind of played out. They controlled a lot of that game. They probably should have scored more than one goal. They didn't. It came to bite them in the backside at the end. Give me Juve to win. I think the, the issue here, Paul, is Juve, obviously, with that points deduction, they're really not going to be able to get back into the race for the, for the Champions League in Serie A. So they're really, their only hope this season to get back into it is through right. the Europa League to win the Europa League and get in the Champions League. So I think they're going to take this game really seriously. They just came off a win against Spezia 2-0. Their next game after this is Tuesday. It is a derby game against Torino. Torino is terrible. They drew Cremonese today, who was the <laughs> worst. They have not won a game in Serie A. It was 2-2. So I don't think they're that worried. They'll, they could probably rest some guys in the derby, which is kind of insane. I think they're going to take this game incredibly seriously. Again, this is kind of their best shot at, at doing anything significant this year with that points deduction. So if you give me Juve to win and the under five and a half goals just to juice it up a little bit more, that's minus 120. I, I, I think Juve win this game. I think they're, they're, they're just better. Um, they've got superior superiority in the midfield and they got a little unlucky in that one against home. I know going to France is a little bit tough, but some of those France crowds are a little bit apathetic. I don't know if it's, I'm that worried about Juve going there. Um, Pogba going back to his home country and let's see if he puts on a show. So I'm going to take Juve to win. Maybe it's famous last words and I'm just taking, you know, I'm, I'm the sucker here, but I think they beat Nance. And I think I've certainly, I don't think it's going to be over five and a half goals. Yeah. No, no strong opinion on this one. I've kind of bailed <laughs> yeah, on Juve this season, much like Juve has bailed on the season, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everything you say sounds good. You've kind of convinced me. I, I'm going to be a little, might be a little invested in this game on Thursday. Yeah, there's some interesting Europa League. Obviously, we didn't talk about Barcelona versus Man United, which is an interesting one. 2-2 going yeah. back to Old Trafford. Roma is down to Salzburg. Even though they, they basically should have scored three goals in that game, and they ended up losing 1-0 on, a, on an 88th-minute goal. So there are some really interesting second-leg ties here, but I just think Juve too strong for Nance. They're just not, not a great team. The talent superiority should carry Juve over the top. So 
let's hope I get on the board here, Paul. I mean, honestly, it might be fades through the season, so we'll see until the <laughs> until the future uh, until the future until I actually win a game. But I do feel good about all. We're, we're at least on the same side in Napoli here for for this week as well. So hopefully, we both hit that. Um, we're going to be back next week on Wednesday because there are no Champions League games. We get that week break between this and the second leg of the ties. So we'll kind of maybe. It'll give us a chance to kind of look at more of the, uh, the like the domestic leagues. We'll talk a little bit about Premier League. Maybe we'll look at the interesting title race in Germany because you've got what the top four or five teams are only like three points off of each other, which yeah, is really it's a, it's a weird probably one. the best race in the entire uh, in the entire you know European continent, which is kind of interesting. So we'll do a little bit more. We'll be back on Wednesday. Thanks as always to the great Paul Carr. Thanks to Stefan Anderson for producing this podcast. And uh, good luck to everybody on their best. We'll chat with you next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.